Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Is This a Thing? Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. It's the Valentine's Day show. We're not starting this whole bit again. Don't tell me it's your favorite holiday, please. (laughs) My favorite holiday. Now now that you mention it, Nico, now I think about it. Groundhog Day has been overtaken by fucking Valentine's Day. Could be my least favorite holiday, honestly. It's by far and away least favorite. Could be my least favorite, yeah. It's, hope uh, y'all hope y'all enjoyed uh, last week's Groundhog Day bit, though. Seems like we had some people that enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh it was a God. blast to make. It was a blast it to make. It was fun. It was, yeah. It was, I had, really a, good was. Time. I had yeah. a really good time with that one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Valentine's Day is here now. We're celebrating the next holiday. Yep. Um, I, I, I've heard a lot of complaints about it being the day after the Super Bowl this year. I feel like we're not giving men enough time to prepare. <laughs> I agree. You know, that's a good point. I mean, we don't. I well, I I, th- I feel like I ask this every year now. Mm. But like, I guess for for Nick in Nick's case, do you do anything for Valentine's Day? Not typically. Okay, good, because I don't do anything. However, <laughs> I mean, it's, well, but but Adam, I mean, I'm a married man now. This is right. a little bit different. Uncharted territory for me. Oh, oh that's a good point. Yeah. Ooh, what are the rules? What are the rules? I don't know the rules. Ah. We're making it up as we go. He's gonna he's <laughs> he's got to make a lot of mistakes, and then he's gonna learn. Like, what 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 could those mistakes be? Okay, I you, you gotta mm-hmm. at least pull up with some chocolates or something. Yeah, yeah, of course. What are we? <gasps> oh. <gasps> Ooh. Oh. Visual visual cue guys for those listening. Nick uh, just I, well, yeah. I can't say anything. Right. Yes. But you guys can. Right. Nick okay. just uh very, very uh casually opened the desk drawer next to him and revealed uh show us again what you got there. Some sort of a wrapped gift of some kind. Yes. It and looks, it's in a lot of heart wrapping looks, paper there. It looks quite delicious, if you ask me. Uh, might be some chocolates, might be some flowers. Mm. Uh, <laughs> am I on? Am I warm? Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> there we <laughs> go. Very warm. All right. So you're not fucking uh, it up. You're pulling this off. You're you're yeah. you're and you're you're way ahead of the game too. Is the other well, thing. Well, Why I had to be because I I knew there was a chance that the Bengals could be going to the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> and so well, I knew I was like, if I don't get it done now. Right. Right. You'll be done. putting your parlays in all day. It's like you don't have time to do the shopping. I also wanted to know how much money I had left over right. before nice. I start betting. Uh, right. So the, the money paid off quite well. Did you spend all, all <laughs> what was it, 140 or whatever the hell it was on just Valentine's Day? No, 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 candy? no. No, no, no. no. Adam, I, uh, I, I, how do you feel giving away $140 cold hard cash for a Me? hug from Zach? Yeah, how do you Me? feel? Yeah. I'm not sure the hug was worth the hundred and forty dollars. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just admit it. It was it was a good hug. It was a fine hug. I give it a solid uh seven out of ten, you know. You paid a nice hundred and forty dollars for that hug. <laughs> I, I, I I really do distinctly remember it being Adam taking this piece of paper mm. and just fucking slapping it on the table in front of me, like, I don't want that shit. <laughs> That's how I remember it. And then he yeah. gave me COVID immediately afterwards. <laughs> That's what you get. You know, I, I I guess it evens out when you think he about it. Yeah. down my throat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. That's really what the one forty was for. So I guess I deserve it when you think about it. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, oh man, 
So, for our Valentine's Day edition, I recommended a movie that uh, will perhaps become a Valentine's Day classic here on Why Is This a Thing? I certainly hope. It's a two-hour meet-cute of a movie called... uh, A meet-cute of a movie? (laughs) Called Life Itself. I mean, the whole movie is basically one giant meet-cute, right? I guess it is. It's just a lot of build-up to the one meet-cute. Yeah. Love a good meet cute in a movie. Love the scene in this movie where like there's a girl behind a bookshelf in the library and like <laughs> he spot this guy spots her from across the room, like in between like Herman Melville novels. Haven't seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I don't Life know. This itself. movie this movie sets itself up in a way that it's hard to criticize, honestly. Mm. I'm getting so sick of this pass that Mm. we give movies now. This happens a lot. It's been happening a lot recently where it's like, it's doing this thing. And then everyone's like, but isn't that the point? Right. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. fuck yourself. (laughs) That's a fair, you know, you're right. You can take that stance. I think it's totally fair, but, but it is at the end of the day, these movies are setting themselves up in a very clever way that Mm -hmm. it makes it difficult to articulate a strong opposition against them. The most recent thing I heard was a defense of the action sequences in the new Matrix movie. Ugh. And as uh, if they were it was supposed to be bad. A lot of people defended it saying like, <laughs> "Oh, this is supposed to be a more naturalistic sort of naturalistic." Yeah, it was supposed to be a little more impressionistic. It's not supposed to be as meticulous as those original movies. And I'm like, "Go fuck yourself. The action here is fucking lazy." Just oh, call you- a spade a spade here. It's shitty action. Yes, it's just Lana Wachowski awful. didn't know where to put the camera. Let's just be totally honest about it. You know, um, yeah. No, <sighs> uh, yeah, I do. I do hate that defense, and I often am a am a proponent of that defense. Like, Sometimes. oh, the dialogue here is meant to be kind of bad. Uh, you know, it's it's meant to be a recollection of another event, so that's why the details are a little hazy. Like, I've definitely used that excuse many times before. Well, we've talked about this. We talked about it recently with Scream. Yes. Um, and, you know, I mean, I understand the defense to a point, though, but usually it, it applies to movies that are very well written and clever and have a little mm. bit more to, to, to do. And they're also not pretentious as all hell. And I also wanted to point out right. that with movies like that, with something like The Matrix and with something like this, you can feel the uncanny valley effect where it's like, even if that's what they were going for, I'm sorry, the effect just doesn't work. And mm-hmm. I guess we'll eventually get into my full thoughts on this thing. But yeah, like it didn't work, guys. <laughs> if that's okay, what you're going for. I'm gearing for, up for this. I'm, sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm really, I was excited to hear what you had to say about this. And I'm hoping that uh, your your rant here will live up to the hype that I built in my own head. Because when I saw this movie for the first time a few days ago, I thought this movie is going to break Adam. Like, I don't know if I could have engineered a movie in a lab more built for you to hate than this one. So I'm hoping that you felt as nasty towards it as I built it up in my head. Am I on to something here? Yeah. Um, it's it's multi-layered, though. It's This is interesting to me. Okay. Because, I, I mean, this is another one of those movies where you were in my head like a little devil yeah. on my shoulder the whole time. Like you were, you were giving me wet willies in my ear the whole time. You were fucking with me. It was bad. <laughs> it's kind of Nico the movie, isn't it? Yeah. Well, here's my, this is my problem. I, I want, okay. I, okay. I just want a quick answer. Did you like the movie, Nico? 
No, I thought it was literally one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Okay, 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 okay. Like, I, I, I'm not <laughs> sure I've seen a worse movie in the last 10 years. This is really bad. It's yes, really um, fucking bad. But here's my, but here's my question to you. Um, uh, were you tipped off to the badness or did you just stumble upon it based on your own curiosity? I had heard things about this movie, whispers in the ether mm. about life itself. And I, I heard very vague things about a crazy first act. Um, okay, I sure. Didn't, I didn't know <laughs> what direction that first act would take. I obviously knew the major players in it. I knew that Dan Fogelman, the mind behind This Is Us, was the writer-director. Um, and I knew that it was supposed to be awful and that it was romantic in nature. So it was something that I had in my head, sort of, you know, in my back pocket for a Valentine's Day episode going okay. forward. And I did not know anything yeah. beyond that. And I, so I had the exact same ride that you guys did during the movie. I didn't know anything about the Bob Dylan aspects either. I didn't know anything about that. Because I was, because I was very, very, very worried that like this, you were just drawn to this because this is where your tastes take you. And it made (laughs) me very, it made me very mad at you. I'm like, God, this is like. There, there are Nico-isms all over the place in this movie. By the way, it's very Nico. All strangely is is. As dreadful as the movie is, it is very Nico. <laughs> Guys. It's like Silver Linings meets Annie Hall in many areas, and I'm like, uh. Guys, I wish I was kidding, but I've written scenes to a romantic comedy where Bob Dylan's songs are the plot device. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. What fucking cringe did I, you just I, utter? I, did you I, just I, utter cringe on the podcast? Take- Nico. I did this. <laughs> I wrote this fucking script. I have a scene. It's literally in. It, it, there's a file. I went through this the other day to, to make sure I was remembering correctly. There's a file, a final draft file on my laptop titled Dylan. And in there is a three page long scene of a first date. Between a guy named Cole and a girl named Hattie who was named after the Bob Dylan song, The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll. Oh, no. Those are the worst two names I've ever heard. <sighs> if you are named either of those names. And the conversation is about the brilliance of the, the song, Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll. It's a little more ironic than this movie because I'm sort of poking fun at the fact that this girl loves Bob Dylan so much, but it's mm. also very, yeah. No, I did this already. Okay. I had this idea for a movie already. He was inspired. And I'm like fucking brilliant. No one has ever made a movie about the brilliance of Bob Dylan before. It's not like every movie from 1970 on is about this exact topic. God. I mean, even <laughs> for you. I, I don't. I, I just keep thinking about like. I don't know what like, to say. Like I. <laughs> You took a little inspiration there from Vanilla Sky, too, I can see. Sir, I thought about Vanilla Sky watching this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's very Vanilla Sky. I had the exact same thought. For the I record. I thinking about a movie called About Time. Ah. Uh, great movie. Love that movie. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> Fucking love About Time. Okay. About the wardrobe, time-traveling wardrobe. Yeah. Love that movie. Which is interesting because this... This this movie occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally reminded me of Love Actually here and uh-huh. there. 
if, uh, sure. I mean, same director as about same, time. Sure. Same guy. So yeah, we're, 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 we're picking up on similar themes here, it, guys. It does yeah. have that Cameron Crowe quality though, Adam, where he thinks that the rock music that he grew up on is the most important thing in the world yeah, and but- can describe every <laughs> major tragedy that happens in life. It's the lifeblood of all existence, <laughs> all pain and suffering and joy <laughs> and fortune. It's, it's it's everything, man. Dude, this movie was an attack on me. Like yeah. I'm watching it because I hate to say it, I think Time Out of Mind is my favorite Dylan album. Like I'm literally <laughs> and I definitely have had conversations with people before where I'm like, yeah, the weird thing is that uh Make You Feel My Love just comes out of nowhere as like this like real populist power ballad in the middle of a very somber like I've definitely had this same conversation. I'm sure I said this to Nick before. I've had conversations with Nick where we've been on like <laughs> long car rides. Nick, you remember this, right? Where I would just explain Bob Dylan to you. Like I would just mansplain Dylan and I would like explain this is what he meant in this line. This is what was happening in his life. This is after his Christian period. This is what was considered his his comeback. He actually won the Grammy for this. Like every like direct lines of dialogue from this movie I have <laughs> uttered without irony to my friends. I felt like such a fucking idiot during this movie. I really it was like an attack on me. Well, this is this is why I, before you continue, this is. <laughs> This is kind of what I liked about the movie because it was a big like justification for Adam Hall. Sure. <laughs> and like because this is like I was like, this yeah. is every this is like a parody of Nico DiGregorio. It is. And I'm loving it for that. It is everything I hate. Dude, the it's, fucking they went to a Halloween party as the Pulp Fiction characters. Like, oh, my God. This is so bad. This is this is so utterly horrible it's sinful in fact but but hey i can i can use it as a great (laughs) argument against nico whenever there's only one way to make this movie you make this movie completely tearing bob dylan fans a new asshole that's Mm. how you do it you do it as being like an over-the-top satire like a joker-esque deconstruction of dudes in college that explain Bob Dylan to their girlfriends. That's yeah. how you do it. You need to make the main character, the Dylan fan, a psycho. Instead, what Dan Fogelman does in this movie is put those cringe-worthy words in the mouth of the most beautiful woman that's ever existed, which is the biggest fucking fantasy in the history of cinema, that someone that looks like Olivia Wilde would feel the need to mansplain Bob Dylan to Oscar Isaac. <laughs> while they're laying in bed post coitus it is insane it's an insane movie speaking of main character who <laughs> was it it was of everybody life yeah. itself nick it was oh, everybody. life itself oh. life itself is the main character. i think it's interesting how the main character was introduced to us in the last two minutes and i still don't know their name <laughs> Yeah, I kind of forgot too. This movie you remember had no Dylan's characters. name, don't you? This movie had no characters. You remember Dylan's name? I do remember. She was I named remember. after the guy. Dylan was Olivia Cook. Correct. Okay, I see. She likes peanut that's butter only, and jelly the sandwiches. Thing, too. The thing that's weird is like <laughs> that was only half the fucking <laughs> plot. She named her heavy metal band PB and J. Dan I, Fogelman has never walked into no. a heavy metal club in his life. <laughs> Dude, First of all, it, there's no clubs like that that exist next to NYU. 
No, no. Fucking, there's no club like that in the village. Every no. club in the village is is fucking like ninety dollar cover charge jazz clubs. Anybody who walks out on stage with a poster that says "We are PB and J" in a club like that, they're dead. That crowd will kill them. I did love when she shoved the PB and J sandwich in that girl's face, though. Oh, man. whatever! With the like, that was peanut awesome. butter and jelly sandwiches that they left for her backstage. That was like, awesome. The club asked her, "What do you want in your rider?" And the only one was a stack of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> it's like a pyramid of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's like two feet high. <laughs> Crap services was busy for this show. PB and J. Not know. to clarify that that's what the sandwiches are, but to identify that these are reserved for the band PB and J. <laughs> this movie's fucking nuts, dude. This movie's so <laughs> my <wild>. confusion. <laughs> it, it's 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 interesting how every generation that you get closer to what is technically the main character, the less you learn about them and the less important they are. Good point. It's a, it's, uh, it's weird when this happens. I had this experience watching Swan Song, um, which is not particularly good. I mean, it's, it's much better than this, but it's, I should it's, hope. Yeah. I mean, it's weird when a movie is struggling so hard to be as intimate as humanly possible, but I, I mean, I don't know. I felt like a strong distance from everybody in the movie. That's I mean, because there's so many characters and none of them get any fucking character development. No, no one feels real at all, even remotely Nobody feels real, real in this movie. <laughs> but Adam, that's the point. Oh, really? <laughs> Life itself is the most untrustworthy narrator. Then Can why we is break it called... down this thesis for a second? Yeah, why is well, it called... Should we fucking explain the movie first? I was, I, Give it a shot. Just, so, just no. Just, I, I just want people to understand the context of what we're discussing here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. So, this movie opens with uh, a relationship between Olivia Wilde and Oscar Isaac, as we said. Right. Uh, except Oscar Isaac is in therapy. His wife has left him. Yeah. And they keep cutting back. So first off, we're having two times here where we're starting with what is present day, and then we're cutting back to his relationship with his wife. Right. And then it is revealed at the end of the first act that, in fact, his wife, who was pregnant, did not technically leave him. She got hit by a fucking bus and died. <laughs> All right? But it's foreshadowed at the it's beginning foresh- of the movie <laughs> yeah. when yeah, Oscar Isaac is writing a screenplay within the movie narrated by Samuel L. Sam- Jackson where his therapist gets hit by a bus in the exact right. same fashion. Yep. Right. And Olivia so we're t- just right off the bat, we're in the t- middle of the Why road. Why does she do that? I hate this fucking cliche. Why no does the bus in- not stop? <laughs> She's standing there for 45 minutes before the bus comes by. Especially in, and they're in New York. They're in New York City and they just stand in the middle of traffic. It's insane. It is the most unbelievable. And by that, I mean not believable. Not can I, shocking. Can I, uh, can I read that? Uh, the review in the New York Times. Here's just an excerpt of it by A.O. Scott. This is us, Mr. Fogelman's much watched NBC series, rung whole, uh, uh, rung a whole monsoon, run a rang, take two. This is us, <laughs> this is us, Mr. Fogelman's much watched NBC series, rung whole monsoon seasons of tears and a bucket of Emmy nominations from the loss of just one dad. In life itself, the parental slaughter is downright wanton. 
Mothers and fathers are hit by buses, perish in car accidents, commit suicide, and <laughs> succumb to cancer. You wouldn't exactly call it careless, since all the bereavement seems to have been arranged with meticulous care. Maybe misfortune, quote unquote, is the right word after all, though more for the audience than the various orphaned children. Right. So we're kind of led to believe that Oscar Isaac is the main character here in therapy and that he's unreliable, right? And then right at the end when he's talking to his therapist Mm -hmm. about how his wife is actually the one hit by the bus and everything and it's kind of revealed to us, he then just stands up and says, I don't want to be here anymore, pulls out a gun and shoots himself in the head right there in the therapist's office. And there's a moment where you go, I don't believe that actually just happened. I left. Because we have been led to believe that he's untrustworthy and then it just goes part two (laughs) (laughs) and he's fucking dead yeah it's a it's i mean i don't know i laughed i laughed too it was hilarious it was a great cut and his and 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 i couldn't get this is just a me thing maybe but annette benning is playing the therapist by the way this cast is fucking loaded incredible but i was gonna say i couldn't look at that therapist and not think that's elizabeth warren and that made it funnier (laughs) to me somehow the whole time <laughs> it was just it was just Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Somehow that was really funny. Didn't uh didn't didn't Annette Bening play Diane Feinstein in a movie? I have no idea. Did she? I think she did. I think in that Adam Driver movie she played Diane Feinstein. So you're actually kind of onto something. She's really That's good at like funny. playing old women that are also members of Congress. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Annette Benning plays the therapist here. And it's not like this gun is introduced like a Chekhov's gun. No, I thought the That's same the thing. thing. I was like, where the fuck did that gun come from? You came out of nowhere. Established that they have a gun although, for something. <laughs> although earlier when he's like, um, when he's dressed in Pulp Fiction and, and he's like, asks her to marry him, uh, he puts a, uh, he puts a fake squirt gun in his mouth. And he says, I'll shoot myself. Oh, uh, there's a little yes. So uh, maybe think about that one. Oh. I guess but he puts that's it true. In, he doesn't put it in his mouth when he kills yes, himself, he, though. Uh, no, when, like, he, he does yeah. that. Yeah. Chekhov's Whatever. water gun. Yeah, Chekhov's, Chekhov's water gun. <laughs> that's a new one. <laughs> so, so first we're confronted with these. This couple. His wife died by getting hit by a bus while she was pregnant, but the baby sure. survived. Right. Mm-hmm. Part two is the story of that girl mm-hmm. and uh, her growing up without parents and right. growing up in tragedy. Uh, and not nearly as much time is really spent developing this girl at all. Her name is Dylan. She's played by Olivia Cook. I think right. she's actually a wonderful young actress. She's horrendous in this movie, but I mean, that's a common thing with it's all fault. of these actors. I, no, I really it's, don't think it's, it's her fault. none of their fault. No, I mean, all of these fault. people are among the best actors living. Even <laughs> Oscar Isaac. I actually really oh. liked him. Yeah, he's horrendous in this movie. He's I, I, yeah. it, it, again, it's material. Yeah, it's I'll tell you good. the one guy that was good. One guy, Antonio Banderas. He was funny. pretty good in this movie. I like agree. he's making a lot out of nothing. Fucking, I hated his. I hated a lot of his dialogue. Yeah. Like the royal fuck of a man. Like that's the other thing. Like we could we could do an entire podcast about how horrible this screenplay is. It's horrendous. It's a mess. Uh, but yeah, so but the the, the girl is uh, being raised by her grandfather because her grandmother, played by Jean Smart, another great actress, was uh, died of cancer or something. And now Mandy Patinkin is raising her by himself. I'd be terrified if Mandy Patinkin <laughs> was my grandfather. <laughs> I'd be worried he was going to criticize that little girl's acting half the time. And I got to tell you, half the budget for this movie must have been Mandy Patinkin's hair dye. Because he goes through so many fucking stages. It is 
Jet, I, jet brown is not a word, but it's it is the color of fucking shit at the beginning. Like it is the <laughs> it is amber waves of grain. That song was written about Mandy Patinkin's beard. It is yep, yep. so brown. Yep. And then by the end of it, he is such a silver fox. Yep. <laughs> oh boy. Meanwhile, Olivia Cook, I'm sorry, Olivia Wilde and Oscar Isaac are trying to play like college kids, but they look just like their forty year old selves. That's another yeah, that's a great theme. point. It's incredible. We're supposed to believe that Olivia Cook is playing the same age at the end of the movie that I, Oscar Isaac and Olivia Wilde are playing at the beginning of it. That's correct. Think yeah. about that. Right. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. So, so they go through, obviously, two generations of this family. And then um, part, or I guess the second half, part three, sure, kicks yeah. off with a completely different fucking family in uh, what country are they in even i believe spain right yeah. spain is yeah, it spain yeah okay I, I think so yes yeah so they're way out in spain and it's this like i guess farmer who picks olives <laughs> right by hand because it's by the hand. right way it's the correct way. it's the only way to do it. <laughs> this this is the most jarring part of the movie i think is because you've watched an hour of like this one family multi-generation and then you're all of a sudden just thrown into a conversation between two men and he's like why do you pick the olives by hand it's like the it's most like, what am i watching <laughs> well that's the problem like you're not given any time to adjust to what you're even seeing and they're having what is feels like the most important conversation on the planet and it's like what, did, did the movie forget that we were just with a traumatized orphan whose father right. blew his fucking brains out <laughs> In a shrink's office. Why are you doing it there? What did that Benning ever do to you? Have some decency, man. That woman's getting getting fired. I'm just telling you. There's a reason people slit their wrists in a bathtub. It's because they have courtesy. It's clean. They They understand. (laughs) Just open the drain. Can I tell you, the most incourteous way to commit suicide is to jump in front of a train. Because everybody's going to miss their commutes. So You're really fucking up everybody's day. So true. <laughs> Can't get over that line. They, they kill themselves in a bathtub because it's courteous. It's sanitary. It sanitary. Especially now in the COVID era. You Seriously. know, you want, you want. What if you catch COVID after you find your. Right. I'm just, I'm just your picturing the, fam- the, the family coming into the bathroom and be like, well, thank God he did it there. Oh, it was, <laughs> <laughs> thank God for that. <laughs> That's an that's an all timer for you, Nick. Oh, I love that line. That's really funny. Uh, <laughs> so you're saying don't jump in front of a bus in order to kill yourself. That's not yeah, that's a bad way to do it. Okay. She didn't jump in front of the bus, though. You know, mm-hmm. if that's what we're t- we're getting to now. No, she was kind enough to do it on accident. <laughs> yeah, but this this whole so this whole second half. All right, right. It's it's another family. This guy. Uh, Gets a wife, has a kid Antonio Banderas is the is a plantation owner where this right. this guy is right. Is it's essentially his boss, right? Yeah, uh, or partner. I'm not quite. It's not totally. Well, he promotes him yeah. at the beginning of this segment, right? But doesn't he also say you give me a like a chunk of your land? Well, he's he's offering for him to live on the land and like to live within a section of his home, essentially mm-hmm. free of charge. Um, and I'm not, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what exactly what the arrangement is. I think he offers him a, a raise, 
Or, but point being, it becomes instantly clear through very heavy-handed dialogue that Antonio Banderas is only doing this because he is so desperate for friendship. Because he doesn't have any real human relationships in life. Right. And he explains this through this very lengthy monologue about how his father was Italian. and Or no, sorry, his mother was Italian and his father was Spanish. And there was a lot of like, you know abuse in that family his father was a very cruel man and like he took this land from his father when his father died so yeah there's this whole thing but essentially Antonio Banderas is desperate for some sort of human connection and thinks he can buy the friendship of one of his field hands and the guy basically is just like no I don't feel any sympathy for you and he says give me the land I don't want to raise and you leave me alone Sure. That's the deal, yeah. essentially. He says, I ask you just one thing. My family is my own. You know, my my jokes are for the men in the field, I think is what he says. Yeah, he says, I will ask nothing of you and you ask nothing of me kind of thing. Yeah. Other yeah. than this arrangement, right? Sure. He gets married, has a kid, yeah. and then this guy, uh, his boss, the plantation owner, begins mm-hmm. to fall in love with his wife, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of. Um, and... The kid also, he keeps bringing gifts to the kid, so the kid is like, uh, you know, he promises to take the kid to New York. So instead, the guy takes his own kid to New York instead of letting the plantation owner take his his kid to New York. Mm -hmm. And in New York, they're riding the bus, and lo and behold, they hit a pregnant woman and kill her. (laughs) Because the little boy distracts him, distracts the bus driver. Right. Right. Even though, like, the way they shoot it isn't very good because when the bus driver finally turns to look forward, he's still, like, a good hundred feet away from Olivia Wilde or something like that. You know, that <laughs> and, he can, and then they, and then they he, cut to him putting his foot down on the gas. It's really weird. <laughs> like, Fuck that woman. <laughs> the bus driver yells, ten points after he hits her. It's weird. It's like, <laughs> now, at this point in the story, did you see exactly where this movie was going? Yes. Yeah. Okay, this, that, that was also the moment where I'm like, oh, okay. That's what this is about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then we cut back and this kid now spends the next like years of his life, life traumatized, unable to sleep. And it ruins it literally ruins his parents marriage. Right. It is literally it is his fault. Sure. He's a, like, yeah. you know how we always tell the kids it's not your fault. No, no it's no, your it's, fault. You ruined him. our marriage. Yeah. yeah. Cause, cause because you killed that pregnant woman. Yep. <laughs> yep. What? <laughs> Would he have known what <laughs> I'm just looking at it's like I don't know. I'm not sure I would have been that traumatized. I'd just be like I would have gotten if, over it, I think. I would have looked at it and been like, what happened? I, I'm I'm on the other side of the glass. Oscar Isaac is blocking her fucking body. I can't see a thing. I, I what's going on? <laughs> Why is this woman yeah. laying in the street? My question I understand is, it being yeah. traumatic, but like they kind of imply that I this goes know. on for years. It and then right. it's like yeah. at some point you'd get over it. But sure. like, I, as a kid, I wouldn't have even considered the fact that it would have been my fault. Right. That's the thing. But mm-hmm. they're implying that he's like he's he feels guilty about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's no. It's kind of so, his fault though. <laughs> <laughs> kind of his fault. Antonio Banderas comes in though with all of his money, and he helps give a therapy to this kid, get his life back in order, and essentially the father begins to feel inadequate, feel like he can't take care of his own family. Mm-hmm. And so he leaves. Right. And he says, essentially, he's like, I know you love my wife. He says, I'll leave. I'll get out of the way as long as you do two things for me. You take care of them and 
You write I me ask letters. one more thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even thing. though, how many times has he requested just one thing from this guy? I know. I like he basically of- wants he basically wants letters with updates on what's going on in his <laughs> child's life. Man, right? this dialogue though, it's like out of a fucking Aesop fable. Horrible. <laughs> you know what? Like it's Horrible. every every time. Okay, you can have my wife, but I ask just this one thing. It sounds like a, a mother goose story. Like it sounds like, I, and I'm trying to figure yeah. out like what is the point of this fable? Why is the dialogue written like this? Like it's supposed to be like this self-evident like moral truth when really it's just like a weird Spanish soap opera going. Yes. Like that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's not a. It's not a fable. Okay, like it's not. This isn't like the ugly duckling here. Like it's not supposed to be something we teach our kids. Hey, when you grow up and your and your fucking your your son is traumatized after he is responsible for a pregnant woman's death, like don't let your plantation owner boss move in on your bitch. Like that's not a self like what are we supposed to learn from this? You know what I mean? Like if a parent like a story like this is supposed to have one clear moral. Right. I can't find it. I can't I find know. the moral of this whole thing. It's about finding love, Nico. It's, it's well, saying. Wait, wait, wait till I get to part four. Wait till we get to part four. Oh, my God. I mean, should we? Let's, yes, part four, please. Because, well, to finish out part three. I mean, now we're that, glossing over a lot of crazy details. Yeah, we don't need to. Too. We'll get That's, into yeah. those. But <laughs> okay. uh, the mother dies. She has cancer. Okay. Sure. Moving on. Another part four. <laughs> yeah, she has cancer. Another dead parent. about it. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, part four. It was a now, slaughter. It was just a slaughter. <laughs> just left dies. and right. Parents, Parents falling. Are just <laughs> dropping like flies. Um, now we focus on the point of view of that son who was traumatized by the death of the pregnant woman and his experience growing up. And he moves to New York mm. and uh, he gets a girlfriend who's a really annoying college student. and uh, Like a valley girl. Valley girl, yeah. yeah. And then uh, she uh, tells him she's pregnant. And then she goes, April Fool's. And <laughs> then he dumps her. Well, he doesn't then, know what April Fool's is because he's right. from Spain. <laughs> and then he dumps her and he meets uh, Dylan, mm. who's crying on a bench in New York crying City after her show. Right. And then they get married. Mm. And, and then... Love- yeah, it's revealed that they are the parents of the real main character who we've never met before, who is giving a book talk about her book titled "Life Itself" about it's, the story of both generations of grandparents it's the and worst parents. Kind of cliche. It's the Taylor Swift ending. I was just about to say that. Oh, <laughs> the reveal that it was all the book. Oh my and god! And it is the shittiest ending. As if, and she goes, she starts in talking about her grandmother's thesis that never was published. As if what? she would know anything about that. Like what a- kind of detail? Your grandmother was pregnant and killed in a bus crash. Let me tell you about her thesis. <laughs> Did you find what out the about fuck? that one? What kind of records were you digging through? <laughs> the professor wanted your to fuck your dad was grandma. institutionalized <laughs> and then killed himself in his therapist's office. But they really loved Bob Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so all throughout the movie, that's the other thing we have to mention. They're peppering in tracks. They must have paid a fucking fortune for all these songs, by the way. Peppering in tracks from Dylan's comeback album 
Time Out of Mind from like 97. Yes. And that's sort of a through line trying to explain. There's a but heavy metal version of the family. Only of half of the family even knows who Bob Dylan is. Right. That's well, there true. is a Spanish cover of Make You Feel My Love, though. Oh, my Spain God. Too. Oh, no. <laughs> Fucking God damn it. There's an acoustic Spanish cover as well as a heavy metal cover. Yeah. Where Dylan is first at the piano just singing in, in, in like a very balletic, beautiful fashion. And then just, just going, when the rain is blowing in your face. And isn't it's, that the worst music you've ever heard in your life, by the way? It's that so scene? bad. It's so that's, bad. Like, that's like hardcore like 80s punk. It's not even metal. It's, it's right. just like spewing I, I, and yelling. And, so, yeah. okay. I hate when movies are a little too clever for their own good. Because that's kind of what this movie suffers from. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, but it's not clever at all, though. It's, no. it's a movie well, that it believes it's clever. It's clever. Yeah. Yes, right. That's what it is. Yeah. It, but it, it lets it lets like this idea behind the movie get in the way of making a good movie. Oh, it's another one of those movies where it feels like plot is pushing the characters along instead of them like naturally acting upon it. Right. I mean, I I found it very frustrating that they kept like breaking down this idea that life in and of itself is. An unreliable narrator. Okay, who would like to explain this thesis? And oh god, no. Do do your best. Me? Do, sure. Well, do your best to articulate her, her, each section. Because I I, I was there for was a while. That, her well, argument was that all narrators are inherently unreliable narrators. But right? Okay. Which guys. which I, I buy, right? We're guys. we're all in on that. Yeah, I think it, Anytime you have distance from a story, when you're recalling a story, anytime there is somebody narrating something, yeah, there's going to be a, a slant. Yeah. But okay. can I get to the but? Please. Yeah. <laughs> there is absolutely a reliable narrator in this movie. <laughs> there is. Who? It's the Who? fucking daughter. It's it's the girl who's given us the story. <laughs> The, the girl at she, the end. It's the girl I, at the end. <laughs> She's no, a reliable narrator. I, I disagree with 2053 you. or wherever, where they're still on book tour. I Apparently, there's still you, book tours going on in 2053. There's still like independent bookstores where you can read your fucking book. I think the kind of the point here is the fact that like half of the shit we've been watching up until this point is so over the top and ridiculous that it's not believable. Is that right? <laughs> I think she fucking lied. I think this book is full of lies. I don't uh, think the movie. I think she's sure a fucking movie, liar. I'm not sure the movie is that smart. <laughs> I think she's a fucking liar. <laughs> I don't. I don't see that at I all. I don't believe her, and therefore I cannot call her a reliable narrator. I don't okay, believe okay. her. Okay. All right. Okay. If so you, if I'm, you want to believe that, I'm there with you. Keep going now. I'm not there well, with you, but that's then fine. Olivia Wilde. <laughs> then Olivia Wilde jumps to this crazy conclusion that life itself is the most unreliable narrator. Okay, that, that's not what she says, though. I don't get it. I, maybe I missed a step then, because I don't get I, it. I did too, because she said, really, the only true reliable narrator is life, because the second you put someone's point of view into it. Yeah, what does that even you, mean? You, you've, you've life is not a narrator. Story. This is no. the part that I don't buy into. Life is right. not a fucking narrator. And then no. she goes, but life, if you really think about it, is the ultimate unreliable narrator. Yes. <laughs> because there are heroes and villains that we paint and really, it's, you know, we're always we're always coloring the, the, the details of reality with our own biases. Mm hmm. Yeah. This is yeah. the main theme of the movie, by the way. If it's if it's coming across a little muddled to you, understand this is explicitly stated via monologue in the movie. <laughs> this is supposed to be the point of the movie. And something about how if you push pie, if you push far enough past tragedy, 
There's you love for you yeah, waiting you at the end. Love, that's right. Yeah. I don't buy her thesis, guys. <laughs> I, I think there's a re- I think there's a reason the thesis didn't get published, and it's not just because she got hit by a bus. Didn't she get a D on it? Yeah, I think they yeah, said. I think it was. They said it was a failed thesis. Yeah, no shit. It's an awful. It makes thesis. no sense. So it's kind of crazy that in the the world of this film, they're acknowledging that this idea sucks. Right, and yet it's what the entire movie's about. That's right. what I'm saying. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so. It's- all right it's nonsense okay so let's get into some more than nitty gritty here sure like there are there is some horrendous shit in this movie horrendous shit that's basically the outline there it's something about life itself and love and how if you have dead parents you should still keep going i i wanted to say it's 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 always been ironic to me too i mean with the title being life itself that this doesn't uh, properly represent life at all, at even all. even one little bit. Yet it's called life itself. <laughs> I feel bad for the Roger Ebert documentary. It's actually the name of his memoir yeah, and I documentary, mm. uh, which is a great movie from like 2013. It has to share a name with this. Yeah, you know, I don't think we really mentioned the fact that Olivia Wilde, her character, mm. when she was a child. She was in a car at nine years old. She was in a car with her parents and they got into a car accident. She was trapped in the car with her father who was decapitated Decapitated. for an hour before someone rescued her is what they tell us. And then she got shipped away to her abusive uncle who like molested molested her constantly. As a child, as like a as like a like a thirteen year old kid, <laughs> finds a way to get a gun. She shot shoot him in the kneecap. Shoot him in the kneecap. <laughs> okay, I've I feel always like said I... that's the best way to take care of molesters. By the way, oh, it's pretty yeah. hard to molest when you don't have a working knee. I've 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 always said this. I feel you know like from... I... I've been like saying I, this for years, Adam. It's been, <laughs> it's been one of my strongest arguments for years. You want to pass it's legislature? Like, just shoot him in the yeah. knees. <laughs> I, think, I think that is the best way to deal with molesters is shooting him in the knee. It's not, it's not lethal. They don't have to go to jail for the rest of their lives. They just can't molest anymore. You got to prevent you all try that knee rape. Someone. Try catching a lot someone. There's not a knee rape going on. No, I'm just saying they can run away. That knee rape. No, they can just run away, Nico. How are you going to catch them? I can think of a body part that would probably be more helpful to remove. That's all I'm saying. I will, <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Wow, Nico, that's very archaic of you. With a gun? Just, sure. <laughs> There's. Uh, we need to talk about Dan Fogelman for a second here. <laughs> okay. We, we need try. to have a conversation about Dan Fogelman. Yeah, uh, are you tell, guys tell This Is Us it. fans? No. I've, I haven't watched it. <laughs> no, uh, I see... I, yeah, I've seen what? an episode and I despise it. Right. Uh, my mother and sister love this show. It okay. uh, is a, a very popular show, I believe, now in its final season. Good. Uh, it is about similar themes like childhood trauma and family and love. I think it's a little more down to earth than this movie, perhaps. Uh Although still very melodramatic and one of those things where it's like this works as like an NBC drama, you know, for network television for families. Yeah. Does it really work as a feature length movie? Uh, wow. This guy's had a successful writing. But career, has written. The film Cars. Cars 2. Yikes. Fred Claus. <laughs> the Disney animated film Bolt. Mm-hmm. The Disney animated film Tangled. 
So, so far, lots of just kid shit. Like he was just, you know, like I, one of the premier animated uh, writers in the world. And I like exactly one of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But then he broke out of the kid stuff the same year he wrote Cars 2, right? Or the did same Crazy Stupid Love. Out. Did Crazy, Crazy Stupid, Stupid Love. That's a great movie, though. Love that he wrote movie. Uh, uh, wow. This guy has written a lot. Also did Last Vegas, the movie about oh, no. what, Morgan Freeman and De Niro or whatever. I don't even know if it's De Niro, but they Michael like go to Caine's Vegas. Michael in that one. Yeah, okay. Michael Caine's in that one. Uh, he wrote... Uh, Is that like a, a sequel to the Bucket List, essentially? <laughs> Yeah, basically. He wrote like an Adam Sandler rom-com too. And then he did, uh, this is his directorial debut, the film Danny Collins, uh, mm-hmm. which is a movie have neither of you seen, right? I neither have. of you have seen it? Uh, I really like that movie. It is very flawed, and it's one of those movies where you see this one, and it makes you hate the original more. Whoa. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at the cast here. Great cast. How did he... D- directorial debut and he got these people yes yep that's amazing uh it it is man is it the best pacino performance in the last 10 years i think so Pacino's really good in that either. movie a lot of people yeah. actually agree with that stance he's really good i i feel like he's elevating a lot of it in hindsight it's like he it's a really good performance uh but i mean similarly schmaltzy i think listen all you need to do is add some like monologues about bob dylan and you get this movie you know <laughs> like <laughs> it's not a far leap to get to life itself i guess is my point yeah so you're um, not a fan of dan fogelman then yeah he's kind of a cancer to the industry i would agree. i think i would agree this this script appeared on the blacklist adam in 2016 like, this was a really hot script bouncing around. There was a bidding war for this movie between several studios. What? A fierce bidding war described on IMDb here between Amazon Studios, Universal Pictures, and Paramount Pictures. How? Amazon ended up winning with a $10 million bid. Cost $10 million. This movie made $4 million domestic. 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yet a B-plus cinema score. So audiences didn't hate it. Why but do critics people... absolutely tore it a new asshole. Why do people like this crap? You know, fucking. You know fucking why? It's got a gimmick on the, though. Ba- the blacklist. Jesus. It was on generally, the blacklist. Generally, the movies that like audiences like that critics don't tend to be they have some sort of gimmick. Yeah, hmm. I feel like a lot of times, and and the gimmick in this movie, if you don't catch it right away, could trick you into thinking it's good. I do think it's one of those movies though that does read well on the page, or at least sure. better on the page, like. You know, when you're reading the same old derivative superhero script every single day and you happen upon this, which has not really interesting ideas about Dylan music and stuff, but at least attempts to, you know, tackle something that most mainstream films don't tackle. Like it'll it reads as smarter than it sounds. Does that make sense? There's some fucking awful dialogue. No question about it. That's the thing. You know, they're talking about time out of mind and it's like, you know, whoever is reading the script at Paramount is like, oh, I love that album. You know, <laughs> it is one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, you love time out of mind. But it, it you learn a tough lesson if you're someone like Nico. This is a lesson that I learned in college and I've never forgotten it. Like the stuff that makes you sound smart in your own head is truly the stuff that makes you sound dumb. And it's like, you know, like I remember when I uh, when, when I, uh, I I moved into my college dorm, there's a similar experience in this movie with our characters going okay. to NYU. But there was a moment <laughs> when I 
I moved in and my roommate was hanging up Pulp Fiction posters in the dorm room. And growing up in suburban Connecticut, you know, in a town where I knew more about movies than anyone. And I saw that and I'm like, yeah, fucking cool, man. Pulp Fiction poster. But now what I realize is a Pulp Fiction poster doesn't mean you're cool. Pulp Fiction poster means you think you're cool. Yeah. And that's... I still have a Pulp Fiction uh, poster as well. That's the sad right. thing. Right. <laughs> I know. But, but it's some of those things you got to reckon with where it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, I no, agree. this makes me fucking boring. The yeah. fact that I love Time Out of Mind makes me fucking boring. And that I don't think Dan Fogelman quite learned that lesson when he was sure. writing this script, sure. you know? Yeah. He thinks he's the man still. He thinks he's so I mean, cultured. Just be yeah. glad you got to see your script in its final form before you had to finish writing it great point nick you know what i mean like you know you can stop now honestly this movie saved you a lot of time did and also just know that if you do finish that script you can send it to dan fogelman Uh, he might make it he just might make it into a movie that's a good point oh man uh yeah, no, doesn't Oscar Isaac literally say in the movie, D- Bob Dylan's a poet? Isn't that like a thing that's exclaimed? He doesn't say that, does he? Oh my God. I think God. he does. I think he does. Or Olivia Wilde says it. Somebody does. I remember when they're in bed together, they're talking about Bob Dylan or whatever. And, Listen know, to this 30 seconds and tell me Bob Dylan isn't a poet, right? Well, th- isn't that what, what I was going to It's like. Dude, right. I literally wrote a paper about Bob Dylan being a poet senior year of college, no, and I got a everybody D knows plus. he's a poet. Everybody it's knows he's like got a, a yes. D plus. It's really? like the thesis that Olivia Wilde wrote in this. Like I literally made this same argument, but I was seventeen. I had an excuse, Dan Bogleman. You've been writing scripts for twenty years. He's in, in defense of him. He's been writing scripts for children. True. True. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Fair point. This is like an R-rated movie, though, and it does feel like it makes more sense to children, though. He names <laughs> like the a... dog Fuckface. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. I hated it so much, guys. Yeah, the, the timeline's very confusing yeah. because it does feel like it takes place in modern day every generation. Right. Yeah, it's like in the. F- <laughs> it should be like very far into the future by the end, right? We go through four generations. Yeah. Of family. Right. I mean, like, you know. That's right. It's a long well, so, time. But like, but like. When is Oscar Isaac alive? Like, what generation? Is that modern day? I believe current day. Yeah. I mean, he's you on sure a laptop to- in a Starbucks. Oh, shit, you're right. So, you know? so this, this is almost a science fiction film. Oh, we're in the distant future. Yeah. By the okay. end of this. The distant. But well, that's what I'm saying. They're not going to have fucking independent bookstores where you're reading your fucking memoir. Like, that's not going to be a thing in 40 years. No. It's not a thing now. It's not a thing three years after the movie came out. By the way, in the modern day scenes with Oscar Isaac, Olivia Wilde is using an iPod, like an old iPod, like an original iPod. Okay. So that was... uh, Maybe it's like 2007. I was like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's 2007. That's fine. But it's, it's also at a point where... Samuel L. Jackson narrating your film is a cultural touchstone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be fairly recently. It's got to be in the last 10, 20 years. Sure. Right. Maybe 10 years. And so. also the guy at the beginning. No. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a fucking minute. I can date it for sure. There's a scene where they're talking about fantasy football. Ah. There's a scene where he goes like, I have to drop. Uh, he has to, like, who is he? Like Alshon Jeffrey or something. 
They, they, he references actual players. Remember? In that That's screenplay? Right. I do remember that, yeah. Hold on, let me find this here. Life itself, fantasy football. Let's see, life itself, fantasy football. Oh, man, I have to find, I should have written this down, who the characters were. Jeez. Or who the who the players were? So, so this movie's kind of like Cloud Atlas. Mm. Uh, <laughs> That's an interesting point. Yeah, but so essentially, the, the, <laughs> in his script, uh, fuck this movie. In yes. in in Oscar Isaac's fictional script, he writes this scene where a guy is at a shrink's office, talking about how essentially like he's cheating on his wife or at least it's implied that he's cheating on his wife is ready for something new wants to break it off whatever but really it's a double entendre for his fantasy football team and he goes like essentially like i want to pick up so and so and drop so and so no it's i drop larry fitzgerald for sterling shepherd that's what it was and sterling shepherd uh was drafted by the giants in i think 2017 Oh, so there's that. And Larry Fitzgerald stopped playing around that time. So, yeah, there's the point. It's 2017 or 2018. It's one of those two. There it is, guys. So we're in the future. Yeah. Oh, this is the this is the oldest generation, essentially, that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Wow. This movie sucks. Right. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) No vision of the future at all. (laughs) Fucking still doing book tours. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, let's see what else did we have about that opening part there oh yeah the natalie portman marathon oh that was weird another yeah, what thing the where fuck? like fogelman is just jizzing all over himself he's a big professional fan about young natalie portman yeah uh it's uncomfortable very it uncomfortable. uncomfortable very uncomfortable um yeah I, I again i think i talked about this already but putting all that dialogue in olivia wilde's mouth is oh uh it's so cringe absolutely horrible it's so cringe talk about an unreliable narrator <laughs> um let's see here uh yeah the vanilla sky esque i wrote down uh oh yeah oh th- there were multiple times when uh characters stopped in the middle of the road and were almost hit by moving vehicles i love that motif yeah <laughs> I hate that you called that a motif and you're right. It is a motif. It's absolutely a motif. (laughs) It's fucking horrible, man. There's so many moments like that. Women almost getting hit by cars. Yep. Yep. It's a motif. It happens three times. (sighs) Fucking goddamn it. It reminded me a lot of the movie Margaret, where this actually happens, but it's like a much smarter movie than this. Mm. This is kind of like the poor man's Margaret. Which one's Margaret? It's with Anna Paquin. Oh, that's the Kenneth Lonergan movie? It's the Kenneth Lonergan movie. Okay. It's quite good. But like the same thing happens in the first half hour of that movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. All the meat cutes. Obviously, this thing is a one giant meat cute. Yeah, I think I think that's that's. Did we hit it? Did we hit it all? <laughs> Were there any other details you guys wanted to hit here? <laughs> I just really want to emphasize how much time we spend with the essentially the grandparents, hmm. and how little time we spend with any of the is. younger generations, and we act like this is some multi generation spanning film where it's it's literally just not. Hmm. I started we don't getting learn anything. 
Well, I start. I, well, you don't learn anything. You hate their stories. You hate the people. I started getting excited when I realized, oh, everyone's gonna die. This is great now, you know. And so, then they stop dying right around they that time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right around the time you realize this, you're like, oh, they stop dying now. Oh, the it was most- also one of those things where you're like an hour in and you're like, there's more movie. You know, <laughs> right. like haven't yeah. we killed off enough of the main That's- cast? They, they, they tease the idea of killing the the the. Spanish grandson's girlfriend and then he saves well he he imagines so saving her there's but. a part of me yeah so she's the one who's like says she's pregnant and is doing April yeah, Fools yeah. and like being a dick right she's standing in the middle of the road and almost gets hit by a car and he pulls her out of the way there was a part of me that was hoping we'd go back to like the unreliable thing and he would push her mm. that would have been you know? yeah yeah well I, the movie cut- plays around with that idea for like 10 seconds yeah because the opening of the movie is like an unreliable narrator, and they are having fun with the tragedy. But right. then they don't do that anymore. Like, oh. so for a second, you're like, oh, this actually might be kind of a clever, fun movie. And then immediately they dispense of that. Everything that's happening is 100% serious. No, that's what that, I'm saying. I'm telling you guys, there, there yeah. is a reliable narrator in this movie towards the end. Yeah. It makes a very firm point to be like, yep, it's, that's just how it is, guys. Hmm. Uh, would you uh, just like Did you ever watch up? The Boys? I'm sorry. Did you guys ever watch The oh, Boys? Oh, I love The or Boys. Adam did, right? Love the, the first boys. scene of The Boys, Nico. Mm-hmm. All right. This is the very first scene of the show. And the, the only reason it works here is because they're consistent the whole way through the fucking show with mm-hmm. this. But we start off with this guy and his girlfriend and they're just talking and they're just like going on a date or whatever. And oh, she's out in this, like, they're, they're in New York City. He's holding her hands. And then all of a sudden... Uh, a guy who has super speed, the Flash, runs and runs right through her. And the guy is just left holding his girlfriend's hands, just her hands, while the rest of her body has been eviscerated into a bloody pulp. Uh-huh. Okay. Fun. That's what this shit reminded me of the bus <laughs> right. right at the beginning. It was the same thing. But here's the deal, right? It's the exact same scene. It's very, honestly, Adam, right? It's It's... It's, it's the quite, same thing. It's a similar sort of subversion. Oh my god, we're in this kind of show or we're in this movie. But that's but a it, but hard it's, but R it's like yeah. Comedy. It's played right. for laughs and sure. it's consistent the whole way through. In this movie, it's meant to be tragic. It's a rom com. <laughs> this movie's a rom com, guys. Yeah. How do they do that at the beginning of a rom com and set you up for one yeah. kind of movie? Because yeah. it's not a very good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Would uh, it's fucking. Would you go up to a a sobbing woman in the middle of Greenwich Village at like ten o'clock at night? I'm sure you have, Nico, and say, (laughs) "Hola." (laughs) Nico did that as well. Hola, (laughs) hola. I don't know. Are you okay? And she's still sobbing. Ignores him, and he goes, "Hola." (laughs) Like that's that's your second try. You start with "Are you okay?" and then you go, "Hola." Buongiorno. Buongiorno. <laughs> Konnichiwa. Oh my god. Just keep guessing. That's a great gag. Oh, that's a great gag. That is wonderful. <laughs> Nico, I, I, I think you would do it. You know? I probably would. I think you would. That's where my future wife is. Yeah. <laughs> a bench in fucking at, the, at the same <laughs> corner in which I witnessed her parents get murdered, or her mother at least get murdered. And, and this is well, my also- last. 
my last. Did yeah. they ever discuss? Like, did did he ever discuss with her? Like, you know, I I killed your grandma. You're the reason why. Or I killed your right. mom, not your grandma. Your I killed mom. your mother. That's right. I that's right. I killed your mom. I killed her. Yeah, she's dead because of me. Like, that must have come up at some point. Somebody must have put the pieces together. It's in the book. No, nope, they gloss completely <laughs> over that detail. And I also want to mention, as soon as they meet on the bench, all right, they literally just met, and then she goes. They never spent another night apart for 43 years. And I'm like, that's it? They met, and now for the next 43 years, they're together? Every Stage single night? Stage one clinger. Yep. Stage one clinger right there. Yep. I, I, yeah. What? <laughs> and, and, this and, is what- and then they just cut to like them having kids. And it's like, there's, there's no development of their relationship. No. I didn't need any more development, Nick. If I'm being no, honest I with you, I, at that point, the movie just end already. Like, I didn't need <laughs> no, more. But this is where, like, please the, don't the give logic. me another fucking chapter. Just oh, end. I was very- <laughs> no, but this is also the point where, like, the logic. Because <laughs> you're right. Like, fuck this movie. But where the logic, like, if you wanted to pick it apart even further, it's where the the, the they completely run out of ideas of what to do. Because that logic of like, at a certain point after tragedy, you find love, and it's like, mm. here's the point. And then I like like I just said, I'm forced to ask, but did they have the conversation about her mom? Of course. I, the point because, of the movie is if you kill someone's mom, bang their daughter. Yeah. <laughs> That's because if they had right, I'm not I'm not convinced that relationship would have continued had they had that conversation. (laughs) I think it did. I think it must have. They have a shared Adam. They have a shared. They were at the street corner. They were at the scene of the crime. (laughs) Honestly, that conversation must have happened just then because he must have been like, "Are you okay?" And she'd be like, "My mother died here." Oh, I know. Twenty years ago. She got hit by a bus, and he'd be like, holy shit. Oh, no You'll way. You'll never believe this. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. You know, I was you, driving the bus. You know, Olivia Cook, it's the damnedest thing. <laughs> you want to marry me? <laughs> oh, my God. It is so bad. Yeah. It's so fucking bad. This whole fucking movie and this cast. I mean, we've we've now listed them all and talked about them in extensive detail. But to put Oscar Isaac and Olivia Wilde and Annette yeah. Bening and Mandy Patinkin and Gene Smart and Olivia Cook and Antonio Banderas in this. I mean, what are we fucking doing? Yep. What are we doing, guys? Yep. This has How been happening he... far too often, by the way. I just like yeah. to point out like like the like they. These these actors and these ensemble casts recently have been bothering me because Don't Look Up was a big kick in the balls for that very right. reason. <clears throat> this now might this, have been worse, though. Yeah. It this might is a worse this. movie than I Don't Look Up. I think it is. Up. Yeah, I think it is. Damn. <sighs> I also, I like, like you know, this isn't... I, I also don't want to, like, conflate this with, like, us hating the idea of, like, vignette films. Oh, and ma- make no mistake, Nick, Nico wanted to love this movie. 100%. Desperately I, I, wanted to I love, love it. So I love vignette <laughs> style or point of view style films. I just watched at your guys' behest a little bit The the Last Duel. That movie uh-huh. is um, several points of view. It, it, it works it really is, well. Hey, 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 Nick. It's about unreliable narrators. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Ex- well, except for the fact that in every single scenario, 
uh, Adam Driver's character is a rapist. <laughs> That's the one from his own point of view. Even from his own point of view. Adam Driver, rapist. <laughs> that blew my mind. <laughs> When I was like, I was like, surely when they get to his point of view, things will be different. And it's like, <laughs> nope, <laughs> it's just another one. It's like, oh, wow. Like, what's his story? <laughs> I yeah, love what that. His, like, his argument is like, well, she said no and she screamed no and she told me to get out of her house. But really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's his argument. And she ran like, away from me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Good movie. I like that Very movie. Good movie. That is a good, good movie, movie, though. It is yeah. well done. But, like, I, you know, I, I like these kinds of movies normally, and I I wanted to like this movie, too, if I'm honest with you. I did. I wanted to. No, I, I knew from the first two seconds that I was going to despise this thing. No, it, it was... It was, desi- it was designed. I was... I was yeah, it was you. very much designed for me to just really, really... Uh, oh, my God. You know, what's that? What's the saying? Send it to Belize. Uh, it's it, it, this thing was what did was, Belize ever do to you? <laughs> What's wrong with Belize? Why would you damn Belize with this movie? Yeah, oh, good point. Yeah, no, but this was just like saccharine filth, guys. I God, I kill it with fire. Here's my favorite quote from this. any review I read of oh, this. Oh boy, like having your brain pulled out through your nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my like god. Like you're a mummy and they're preparing you for oh my sarcophagus. God. There's Oh, <laughs> uh, life itself. Truly the unreliable narrator, guys. Uh <laughs> let's let's move on to a game, shall we? Sure. How many? I know you got to get out of here, Adam. Uh, you have a hockey game to get to, right? Yeah, I mean, we have 15 minutes, so okay. we still have time. Oh, your niece is in town. Did we talk about this? Yeah, oh, yeah, we did. I finally met my niece. Yeah. First, That's so first exciting. Time. Yeah, it was extremely exciting. It's it's great. And yeah, I've been I've had a very busy, busy week just trying to organize like events around them and hanging out with them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that's where kind of where all my time's been allocated. How old is she? Uh, she is at this point 18 months. 18 months. Wow. I think you stop counting in months after the first year. I guess you're right. <laughs> but she's a yeah, she's a year old, but Yeah. Very cute. Yeah. That's so yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's really awesome. <laughs> first time yeah, yeah. That so that's why I was like, eh, wait a second, I gotta we were gonna do the Macbeth pod right after, but the yeah, l- much anticipated Macbeth pod yeah, that but I'm I sure no one will listen to. I have no time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, guy. I'm sorry, Jabril. He's <laughs> we'll, the only guy that's been asking for it, in fairness. We'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> uh okay. Uh I think it would be really fun to do Bob Dylan for this. I was gonna How say much Oscar. is Bob Dylan worth? Okay. I was gonna say Oscar Isaac. Have we done Bob Dylan though? I don't think so. I don't believe we have. I don't think mm. so. Oscar Isaac uh, has a long, prolific career ahead of him where he can make many more mistakes. That's true. Uh, that's right. Very good point. And has been Bob? making them with some frequency lately. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. like. Uh, all right, Bob Dylan just sold his catalog to somebody, <clears throat> right? His catalog? Yeah, he was in one of those like blockbuster deals where like he like well I won't I won't reveal how much, but he sold his mu- his music for a lot of money. Well I think you should reveal how much. 
If you know how much. Yeah, but I don't remember what the amount exactly was. I think it was like 300 million. Okay. But I don't let me mislead you by saying that. I think it was 300. I won't, I won't let you influence me at all. I'm going to guess 300 million. Okay. <laughs> 300 million. Do- <laughs> you carry's worth how much? 190 million. Yeah, 190 million. So we'll put him at uh, one and a half. One and a half okay. Drew carries. Adam, what do you think? Only one and a half? No, I think it's I probably think he, higher. I think he's 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 up there in, in like the Jerry Seinfeld territory, you know. So he's he's close to a he could be close to a billion at this point. Uh, I'm gonna go seven hundred million. I was gonna say it takes four Drews, so I was gonna say seven hundred and sixty. Oh God damn it! Nice. All right. It was not intentional to box you out, but that was what I was going to guess. All right, well, fair. So what are our guesses again? Uh, Nick, what'd you have? 300? Adam had 700? Yeah. And I had 760. Actual net worth of the voice of a generation. Old Robert Zimmerman. Mm. Free Will and Bob Dylan. (laughs) Half a million dollars. We have a tie. <laughs> Five hundred million. There's a tie, folks. I didn't go over. Did you say half a million? Half a billion. He means half a billion. billion. Half a billion. You know what I yeah. fucking meant. Yeah, I didn't go over. <laughs> All right. So wait, what does that mean? So I guess yeah. that means that Nick wins. Congrats. I need a win, guys. All right, you can have this Bob Dylan win. <laughs> does that mean I own Bob Dylan though? That's correct. Okay, yes. great. <laughs> uh, I was gonna ask, do you think he's worth more or less than like Michael Jackson's estate? Yeah, probably less. I'd imagine less. Yeah. I feel like there are like more like emo covers of Bob Dylan songs than there are Michael Jackson songs. Whereas Michael Jackson, you know, the originals, like I can't tell you how many times, like you'll hear a, like a piano version of blowing in the wind Mm. during an all state commercial. Oh God. Sure. Like I feel like it's more that the, the songs themselves are worth more in Dylan's case but the tracks, the records themselves are more, worth more in, in Michael Jackson's case. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. It's probably- like, I'm sure a lot of people, if I said to you, who sang Make You Feel My Love, would, what, 90% of millennials say Adele? Yeah. Would people just assume that's an Adele song? Do probably. people know probably. it more as an Adele song? Yeah. Probably, at this point. Yeah. So. Well, you definitely think All Along the Watchtower is a Jimi Hendrix song. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Here I am getting on my Dan Fogelman high horse again, explaining Dylan to you. (laughs) (laughs) You see, really? (laughs) Hey, listen, guys, skip this movie. Go listen to Time Out of Mind. Seriously. (laughs) Not a bad idea. Yeah. (laughs) Probably a better use of two fucking hours. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't ever I didn't complain about the length of this movie. Actually, I should have. Oh yeah, that was the other thing. I, I I watched half of it last night, 
said fuck this and I went to sleep and then did the exact same thing this morning except I didn't go to sleep I tried to get on here with you guys I think I watched it in four 40 minute or four 30 minute increments oh my god jeez. Yeah. I I try to like at least pound through an hour be like I'm not I, I'm not having the dread of having to start this back up again I only want to do that one other time <laughs> all right uh <laughs> life itself what a piece of shit i picked another gem out God you're welcome guys nothing but pearls here from the old Ugh. nico factory i hated this thing <laughs> uh we will be back next week with god knows what uh but uh it'll be fun i guess maybe, maybe by- a football movie maybe another rom-com i don't know well, well i guess see. this this will be the last show released before the super bowl oh okay. shit all right all right Maybe so, a movie about tigers again. Tigers? Well, we'll, yeah. we'll see how it or goes. Or rams. A movie or about rams. rams. Hold on. Yeah, a bangle mm. tiger or maybe a ram. We'll see. Gotta mm-hmm. think about this. Uh, yeah, Nick is gonna be, for the first time ever, watching the Super Bowl on his own volition. I'm excited to win my, my first Super Bowl ring. <laughs> <laughs> they're, getting, they're sending them to Nick. That's how it works, right? If you live in the city. That's exactly right. Everybody gets a ring. <laughs> uh, so anyway, go Bengals. We're all rooting for you, Nick. We're all on your side. Who day? Be funny. I'm, that. I'm just quite like a excited. Closet Rams fan. It has been an unbelievable season of football. Unbelievable. Yeah. Every play- game has been like, oh my god, like it's getting better. Like every game has been like, holy fucking shit. God, I love them so much. They were great. Uh, all right. Yeah. Who day, baby? <laughs> Until next time. You've all been so very, very naughty. No. no. no.